So, hi, hi, Victor. What was your first computer? Uh, hi, Adam. Uh, my computer was uh, not super exciting. So, my first computer that I own, or my computer, like first, I just like put my hands on. Okay, you touched, uh. and you were <laughs> excited about it. Um, I guess it was some kind of like uh, uh, the Russian knockoff of some. Uh, I don't even know what was the what was the original computer, but essentially it was like some electronic computer that was in uh, in my school. Mm-hmm. And a uh, few years after, someone brought uh, um, Intel uh, uh, 386 uh, model with uh, DOS and things like that. So I think we can say like uh, 286 or 386. This is my first computer okay. that I touched. And over, I guess, in 2000, what? Uh, in 2001, I finally got my Pentium. Pentium 3 was like my first computer that I actually owned. And was able to do some stuff on it. Cool. Uh, so when was it? I mean, w- when you touched your first computer, which which year was it? Uh, which year? It's uh, I guess it was somewhere in the school. Maybe it's 1995 or something like that. Around this time. Okay. So so, so you're yeah, a youngster. Was, uh, yeah, I'm a youngster, and like my 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 first language was not like something exciting. It was basic, and again, it was knockoff of uh, Quick Basic. Uh, that wasn't also available in this uh, like uh, Russian <laughs> p- uh, pirate computer. So it was a uh, basic in Russian instead of Go. Uh, no. So what what is the uh, you know, Russian word for for Go? Uh, so it was basic, but uh, and like you can say basic in Russian, it's also be the same, but like meaning would be different because like people uh, when you're translating something directly mm-hmm. into uh, into different language. Uh, you might be losing some of the uh, meaning, and no one. I guess up to some point when I started learning English, I after that I realized that basic means like basic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in Russian, we just say like basic, basic. It's kind of, oh, yeah, you know, perfect. So, if you saw the the computer, were you excited or just you know you say okay, at this point of time is just you know a machine? Uh, no, I think I was super excited. Uh, I, I was spending more time around those computers, like my classmates. Um, and I was I was trying to program. The people was just like, oh, let's play some like ASCII art games. Yeah. But I was more interested. Okay, so how does it work? But like, how I can make those pixels moving? How, what 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 can I do? Like, what's the like small programs? Um, so I guess is, since that time, I was just like all about computers. Yeah, and 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 uh, why you were so excited? Because uh, you thought, okay, you can work with it, or was it a purpose, or just you know you were curious how it works? Uh, it's very difficult to say because I was not uh, like self-aware at that times, and like I, it just like was something new, something super cool, like some electronic device that you can do some interesting things. Yeah, uh, it just was curiosity mixed with excitement, mixed with. Uh, Trying to understand the potential of the thing, you know, okay. the, when like how the things can go in, in future, and like yeah. So since that time, I was starting like put a lot of uh, thought about this, and like uh, not only playing with this, but a little bit programming um, and how the things work. After that, like my first when I get the, my first computer, I was able to even like touch some hardware stuff. So I was able to you know look inside and destroy like, it, reinstall. Yeah, reinstall some of the parts, for example. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was kind of like a mix with uh, excitement and uh, uh, and curiosity and, you know, understanding potential. So what was your first software you wrote then? Or you meant something which, you know, worked actually? 
Um, so I was, um, I was reading, uh, there was like a paper, there was a time where there were like a paper magazines, you know, mm -hmm. the actual uh, paper magazines and people were printing some of the, uh, some of the code there in this mm -hmm. printing magazine. So one of the, one of the apps that I was trying to kind of, uh, it was some sort of game, um, mm -hmm. like huge, uh, listing, mm -hmm. like, uh, a couple hundred lines. So I was trying to type it in. Um, and, uh, it didn't work obviously because like, it's, you know, you can find the first part of this listing in a different issue. And I, I went to library, I couldn't find the different issue of this one. It didn't work. Um, but, uh, I start, I start to do some of the, like a primitive, uh, computer graphics using, uh, using basic, like uh, drawing shapes, make them appear, make them, you know, draw, make them move. So I would say it was around, um, um, like computer graphics side of side of things because okay, cool. um, I, I didn't I didn't understand the you know the computational aspect that mm -hmm. time yet, um, but the graphic was cool like you know making the circle go from the one place on the screen to yeah. another place on the screen was kind of like a pretty exciting. So and then we are hooked to to programming. So you started to to, to program a game. So what was your goal then? Uh, the, my goal was like like everyone in, in my age probably not. The, Majority of people just were trying to, you know, play games. Yeah. Uh, um, my programming, uh, my programming thing started actually with uh, with Flash. I was um, like, when I get the real computer, like Pentium Three, I was able to see some of the Flash animations. Mm -hmm. And apparently, there was a, some scripting language that allows to, you know, the, to modify mm -hmm. some of certain behaviors. The actual script came came about. Uh, I switched also start learning uh, Visual Basic where you can, you know, have a different uh, mm -hmm. forms and it was like a literally visual because it allows you to uh, draw buttons and make them appear. Um, so, and after that, I, I went to university where we started doing some like, uh, you know, start, start learning things with purpose. You know, mm -hmm. I went to a computer science class um, and one of the things that uh, we started doing, they were kind of, I was expecting that they will be teaching us to, to program, but the expectation was wrong. When you go to university, they teach you how to, you can teach yourself. So you have to learn a lot of things myself. So I started learning C, uh, C++. Uh, there was a kind of expectation that you already know Pascal. Uh, I know the syntax and I work with some like, small, mm -hmm. uh, small programs. I'm not calling them apps because just like literally there were some programs to, to, to compute something. Um, and I guess the like professionally things that I'm start doing, uh, they came about uh, with uh, C and C plus plus. Like I start like writing some of the some of the applications. But my first commercial programming actually happened. Like commercial, I mean like I could get my like some money for the things I wrote. Um, it's actually I wrote this in Perl. So I got the internship with the in the bank and one of the things that I need to do, it's kind of like a part of DevOps, you know, okay. because you're automating, you're automating your, uh, your mm -hmm. own uh, operation of the servers. I, I, I wrote the uh, log scraper. Um, so essentially it was uh, processing some of the logs, for, collecting logs from multiple computers, scraping them and kind of like getting the aggregated view of what is happening and things like that. Like it get the um, aggregated view so you can see like what multiple events happened at the same time on the multiple different machines. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of debug this. So and um, this is where I, I actually get paid for this. It was uh, it was paid uh, paid internship. So it was cool. 
So you mentioned Russia. Which which city was it? It was the city called Lipetsk. It's the place where I, it's uh, my uh, alma mater, the university when I went after my school. But uh, my uh, my hometown is nearby, uh, like it's just like hour drive from from Lipetsk. So um, it's uh, it's slightly on the south from from Moscow. Um, it's maybe like a six. Uh, Seven hours drive from Moscow on the south, and and when you find out that you actually would like like to study, you know, computer science. So you always knew that, or yeah, I, I think it was around like two thousand one when I get my first computer. Like I got this, I because um, I somehow convinced my parents that like, hey, yeah, I need this computer for yeah. studying. But all I wanted to play is you know Unreal Tournament. Yeah, at that time. But I think I was also excited about the hardware aspect of it and like how the people. I, I actually like when I was when I was buying my computer. I I get into conversation with some people who you know helped me in the store, um, who helped me with uh, you know the collecting of the parts and what kind of stuff needs to be there. And and and, and I start kind of um, seeing that this is something that I would love to do, mm-hmm. um, but like it's quickly transformed to something else because you know you're a teenager, like yeah. you always know what you want to do in your yeah, life, life of course. exactly. <laughs> so and what happens is um i learned from the guy who was apparently he had some sort of internship in the store computer store that he's like actually studying computers computer science automation like automatic control systems like big systems i didn't have any idea about those and how these things work in say like in enterprises and the big factories and places like that so I was excited that the guy was able to even kind of like learning all these cool things and in a part time working on the things. It's kind of like a dream. Things uh, like collide and the dreams come true because like you kind of studying things that you love and you actually get paid for the things that you love. And I think yeah. So next year I will return to the city and I will try to enter this university as a you know yeah. as a student. So I started learning the things. So um, the perfect synergy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, like, everyone is, like, asking, like, what would you do if you would uh, not do any computer programming and things like that? I would say, ah, probably I don't know. Uh, maybe music, but it, essentially, I never consider anything else. Yeah. So, I was very good at math, uh, physics, and, physics, and uh, basically all, like, a technical and, like, a very, like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the science that is... Like it's not fuzzy, you know. There's yeah. there's math, there's there's uh, there's physics. You can go like in, and and do some computations, things like that. So that was kind of I decide. You know, Interesting for me was yeah. math very fuzzy. So uh, oh really? Yeah. And then I learned you know. I learned this. I learned this after you know when I was like when you just like uh, what uh, seventeen years old. You know you you think that okay you already. Kind of, sort of figured out uh, many things already yourself. Yeah. Um, but you're not. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, it was like it's kind of like a constant learning experience, like a constantly uh, going through phases and seeing that. Oh, I, I think I already figured this out. And after that, you getting to the next level where are you know the uh, <laughs> your your NPC are more mean and the bosses are much much more difficult. So this is how uh, life came about into you yeah. know the constant spiral of the you know discovering things more things that you know is becoming more things that you don't know. And the next thing is what also surprised me. I also tried Flash because I had to. So someone asked me, you know, we need a Flash developer, uh, and I said, okay, I will try this. But it was hard for me because it is was really hard to find the source code. You know. I would remember yeah. in the Flash, you were only allowed to put the source code in the keyframes, 
And uh, yes. yeah, and I say this is just stupid. Why I need you know some piece where the code lives, not the stupid keyframes. And uh, so this is also funny because I didn't like Flash at all. A Visual Basic was similar. This is also there, you know, the the source code was sc- scattered over the place. So C plus yeah. was easier to get for me than, for instance, uh, Visual Basic or, or or Flash for me. Yeah, and then Turbo Pascal um, is also nice. But uh, but it's uh, very, yeah, it's very interesting in terms of like. Uh, the- Visual Basic. I did know that um, the Visual Basic actually transformed from the you know this form-based thing that I tried when mm-hmm. my you know computer came with something. I don't know. Someone installed this uh, on mm-hmm. my computer. But like I l- learned that you actually can programming inside of things like Excel, and you can write the macros. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is this is another kind of like a, uh, the mind-blowing yeah. um, moment in life. Like oh wow, you can. You don't need to, you know, compile stuff and to and bring it on this. You have like one Excel. Everyone has Excel, like created a version or like mm-hmm. legally acquired or mm-hmm. not legally acquired. We're gonna be uh, take this. Uh, it was like dark times in the cool. uh, <laughs> in the history of the, of Russia of our software. And uh, it's like you can like, actually write the programs and you can drop the buttons there. You can do some animations there. So it was pretty cool. It was super super interesting. And this flash thing is actually I didn't know that it again will return mm-hmm. in my life in in another level of this spiral um when i was um when I already moved to the states and started doing some of the consultancy jobs the 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 consultancy job that i I took one of the first it was just like a flex and Java developer mm-hmm. that uh, you know mm-hmm. this is where you're not putting your code into the keyframes anymore no you actually have only two keyframes like the preloader and actual scene where everything is going, and there's actually you can write the code yeah. that will be compiled into this kind of thing. Flex so was very really like Java. What I remember, you had the Eclipse ID already, and uh, you could just write you know proper code. So there was not like the early Flash. Yes. And yes, at, exactly. at university, so, which programming languages you learned? Was it Java? Uh, so, so uh, Java was not there. So I learned uh, C and C plus plus. C plus plus builder was kind of the the ID of choice for like couple years so all my like a um, kind of like a course works and uh, the, the some of the the projects uh, happened in C++ builder first of all uh C++ builder means uh, Microsoft or no 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 it's Borland it Borland. was Borland C++ uh, Borland, builder okay. mm-hmm. and like it's just like a visual ID you can also attach this the, the things mm-hmm. with the buttons and mm-hmm. things like that so i started interested in uh, in GUI development one thing bothered me a lot is that the size of the um, of these uh, the binaries of this mm-hmm. application? Because there's uh, two options how you can compile your like C++ builder mm-hmm. application. It's like a, you have a dynamically uh, linked library. Mm-hmm. So in this case, when you bring in your app somewhere, those somewhere you know, those person needs to have those libraries installed. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, your application will work. Or you can com- uh, statically compile those. So in this case, mm-hmm. your binary would be like one megabyte, which is good, but sometimes it can be over one megabyte. In this case, it will not fit on one diskette, which mm-hmm. was 144 megabyte, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to move this around. Mm-hmm. And uh, like uh, CD, like writing CD-ROMs were not, um, it's not, it was not luxury. Yeah. It was luxury thing, actually. So yeah. um, now... And so I start looking into the Visual C++. Mm-hmm. So Visual C++, uh, 
allows me their compiler and their library was like totally different and they didn't have all this like a vcl family in law mm -hmm. they have like mfc family in law but still like i was able to um i learned how i can compile this like really small apps but here's one thing that i lost i didn't i didn't i didn't have this like a visual style of programming so i had to learn like windows api mm -hmm. from scratch and how to draw the buttons of mm -hmm. this like graphic device interface gdi um and but I also started learning that there's some other cool things I can do with Visual C++. I discovered a, a DirectX uh, SDK and mm -hmm. uh, one of the courses where we have uh, computer Gaming. graphics. Again, <laughs> how, I, how I get back to, yeah, yeah, how I can back to this computer graphics again um, is actually uh, I started learning the DirectX. And we, we kind of like a, developed two different, um, two different groups of students. Some people who want to go through the like easiest path yeah. So, because uh, easiest path meaning that you can borrow some of the class works from the uh, previous years, and you can like refactor, like refactor yeah. uh, their um, their apps and make them work for your assignment. And some other kids who were interesting in um, you know discovering something new. So that's why previous years they spend a lot of work on the Borland C plus plus, and there's like ready to use projects. People just like removing the. Uh, some of the source code uh, comments from the previous years. Yeah. And we were writing from scratch. And those, the Builder C++ examples, for some reasons, they use like OpenGL a lot. And those kids who decide not to use Borland the tooling, they start looking into Microsoft tooling and DirectX uh, was uh, the thing that we start, you know, doing the, the, the things. Okay. So exciting, exciting times. And this is how I end to... Um, New iteration of Microsoft IDs when they released uh, Visual Studio.net. It still have Visual Studio, C++. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a new thing called C Sharp. And mm -hmm. C Sharp, um, and I didn't know anything about Java at that time. Okay. I didn't know all this like Microsoft Sun War. But that's when interesting. The sun was, uh -huh. Yeah. Because I came, I came from this, you know, kind of from the Microsoft world and I was still I was there for a while, and it's kind of like I, I, I usually I describe this period like I'm kind of like a uh, this uh, small uh, small chicken that just like hatch from the egg, and like whatever I get from Microsoft, this is what I use. Like they give me IDE, they give me MSDN, which is was documentation. Um, I started learning about some of the open source and some of the like forums, like uh, uh, what was the code something. Um, there was like a very cool, um, very cool forum. Um, where the, everyone is posting some of their like code. It, it wasn't like way before GitHub, and the people were posting some of their MFC project. Uh, but it was not SourceForge, right? No. No, no, no. It was not SourceForge. It, it was, was kind uh, of like uh, fresh meat and SourceForge. No, 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 no. It, it's 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 a, it was like for me it was kind of like a very high uh, level because there's like a real program is doing stuff. You know, there's okay. commercial stuff. There's okay. Some people can. Actually, have like a big problem. Problems. It was a small forum. I forgot the name. It was um, um. But anyway, so it was like a very good place. I started like a um very quickly. I found that there is not enough information in in Russian. There was like a very famous uh, Russian resource called RSDN, Russian Developer Software Network, like similar to MSDN, like cool. a Microsoft. Uh, mm -hmm. And there was like lots of articles there. Again, I was buying some of the uh, some of the magazines, like printing magazines, because there were like a, some good articles there. They were. But which about year? This. Which year was it? Do you remember? So the year? it was. Yeah, it was was around say two thousand mm -hmm, four, two thousand five, two thousand four, exactly. Okay. So 
when I graduated from this university and went to Moscow uh, for my post-graduation stuff um, for PhD, so what happens is I, I met the professor and he said, yeah, yeah, we, we, do, we do have some like Microsoft folks here, but uh, we're here with, uh, uh, we teaching a lot of IBM stuff and we're teaching um, IBM uh, Java. So do you know Java? Um, I was like, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, yeah, Java, whatever. Um, and I, I, I got my first Java book was Thinking in Java by, by Bruce Eckel. Yeah. Um, so even though it's an amazing book, I really enjoy this and recommend to everyone, it is not good first Java book. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, it's still uh, I guess the reason why I picked this because I was enjoying his first book, Thinking in C++. Yeah. Um, and that book also was not good for the first book, but at least I already was experienced C++ developer, mm -hmm. so I can understand a lot of things. And I, I like the approach in that book, so that's why I picked up this uh, Thinking in Java, and I, I started this uh, my Java journey since then. And that was the moment, another, like, come on, look, there's open source. There's an IDE that you're not supposed to be paying. You're not paying for Eclipse. And it doesn't look like shit. It oh. looks amazing. Uh, you did a visual, we did Eclipse or Visual Edge for Java back then? No, no, no. It was Eclipse. I went I told... to straight to Eclipse. Okay. My teacher, um, one of the teachers in, um, in uh, university, he was actually, uh, he was actually trying to teach us Java. Some of the kids decide to, mm -hmm. um, learning Java. I was like, no, I'm hardcore. I will do like C sharp and stuff. And he was, she was showing Eclipse and it was amazing. It was just like, the very nicely looking IDE and the code completion, and it's like it worked fine. It doesn't require a license. Um, and this is, was just another kind of moment where I said, "Oh, there's a the web server that you can write programs in Java. How cool is that?" I only thought that like uh, the web servers you program with PHP, which mm -hmm. is also another language that I was kind of uh, learning on the side to do some of the you know okay. website geeks. Uh, so someone needs a website. Okay, let's uh, let's write them website um, for mm -hmm. some like a spare money that we can mm -hmm. uh, we can get. Hey, so, and, uh, yeah. when you did the gig with the Pearl internship, was it uh, this period or or later? Uh, yeah, it was like uh, yeah, it was around. It still was in the university. So okay, cool. It mm -hmm. was um, yeah, some something around two thousand five, two thousand six, mm -hmm. and. Uh, when on the same on the same job when I was in the bank, I I was able to uh, work on my diploma project that was a uh, C sharp actual application. So um, so essentially in university, like I said, they didn't teach us much, mm -hmm. but at least like uh, <laughs> give us opportunity and uh, the ways how we can you know learn stuff ourselves. That's why I you know uh, dip my toes in the different aspects C C plus plus. Uh, the, the Visual C++, a uh, little bit of PHP, a little bit Perl, um, C Sharp, um, Java, and all those kind of things. So, uh, uh, How do you like Java, actually, besides Eclipse? So you were okay with the yeah, same Yeah, I didn't like it at all. Uh. Didn't like it at all. It's just, uh, you know, some weird language that in order to run this, you need to have another thing to install in your computer. It doesn't compile to... Mm -hmm. um, I remember the, the, the thing what I started with when I explaining that I didn't like the size of my, you know, the binaries yeah, and yeah. runtime. Like, okay, Java speeds up is very small, um, uh, small thing called class, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it is. 
And after to run this, I need to have what? Like GRE? What's the yeah. difference? GRE, GDK? What's, what's the difference? I don't understand this. I don't like it at all. Like, I like this Eclipse thing because UI looks amazing, but I didn't know about, oh, I've seen some of the swing gaps and they look like crap. And I was like, mm-hmm. ugh. Or because they were using like a motif yeah. Uh, yeah. look and feel. And yeah, why they exactly. Look, yeah. It's like really yeah. ugly. But like, why can't other like Java apps look like Eclipse app? Mm-hmm. Because the clips looks amazing. At that time, I didn't know there was kind of like an native binaries for different uh, operating systems, and they need to have a, like more um, native integration with uh, standard uh, the visual um, visual components of different operating systems. So it was an interesting time. And like my uh, my, I returned to Java, and I returned to Java not through the desktop, but I returned to Java through server side. Mm-hmm. This is where I started getting interested in Java. It's just because um, some of the web apps that we can we can write, right? And uh, some of the things that we did uh, when I was in uh, my postdoc university, we did a lot of uh, kind of research and development project for mm-hmm. Russian railways. We were we were supporting their like training portal uh, okay. since I was my university was named as uh, uh, Moscow State University of Railway Engineering, so we were you know naturally supporting Russian railways mm-hmm. with the uh, multiple, you know, teaching initiative mm-hmm. that they might have. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the, like, web apps, I started learning how, to, how you can integrate with databases. And then uh, how, how you wrote them? With Tomcat or what was the, the technology stack? So, WebSphere. Okay. Yes, I was brain damaged from the start, and the WebSphere was the, the thing that I <laughs> started doing things. But for, you know, to be, like, frank, it's actually WebSphere plus IBM tooling. Okay. IBM tooling was a very good if you have a like fast enough machine mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. So you will be able to visually also construct your GSP pages, GSF pages. Mm-hmm. They have their own um, uh, like library, like they call a rational application developer yeah, exactly. that allows right. you mm-hmm. to like visually mm-hmm. uh, create this uh, the pages. It was exciting, and mm-hmm. the good thing is that since we were close, we were working very closely. Uh, with Russian Railways and IBM actually providing all the materials that they were kind of like selling to mm-hmm. Russian Railways, for example, okay. uh, for license and stuff, they're providing us for free because they have this kind of mm-hmm. uh, like uh, initiative for university. So we yeah. can get any software that we would like from IBM for free, uh, any materials we can get for free, uh, red books, they just like ship us uh, mm-hmm. like paper books if we mm-hmm. need, mm-hmm. Um, and electronic versions if we need. It was really good time to to learn things, and I learned a lot of things. And uh, I was trying to speaking about the Tomcat. <laughs> I was um, I was trying to I was trying to figure out what's the difference between like WebSphere and WebSphere Community Edition, which yeah, is just based exactly. on professional the Tomcat. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, there was a Geronimo thing. What, yeah, what the hell is this? Like, what's what the hell is open source thing anyway? So, <laughs> like, people doing this for free, like they they giving away their soft for free. Like, what the hell? Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting time when the uh, uh, like I said, brain, the brain damage from the very beginning. The WebSphere was my application server. WebSphere five. Um, mm-hmm. the, we, we did some some like small projects uh, for our own automation inside inside the university. We were writing this uh, small system that was uh, kind of. Um, like uh, your virtual record book, like if you go and like doing some some mm-hmm. some class, and after that the teacher can go and uh, mm-hmm. put some some um, uh, 
ranks for you. So, okay, so there's going to be A, there's going to mm-hmm. be A minus mm-hmm. and things like that. So it was um, pretty cool thing. But we very quickly realized that the web sphere is like too big. Like yeah. we just like I, to run this on my laptop, it was just like too, too difficult. So we start learning things. How we what, what's what's funny? Things. What I what I what I what I noticed yeah. that uh, I lived almost in parallel world to yours because yeah. you used um, the uh, Boland C plus plus builder, and yeah. I used the J builder, and yeah. the J builder was written in Swing, but uh, or Swing with the J, JBCL. Uh, I think it was yeah. uh, the Boland class libraries, and they looked yes. nice. They looked really great. And then Boland was too expensive, and I noticed that Eclipse is very good with refactoring. And I liked yeah. Eclipse because it looked different. I was a little bit bored with the Boland, and it was uh, faster and a little bit different. And I, I think in Europe, I actually eliminated uh, lots of JBuilder installations just by introducing Eclipse because it was so easy back then. And um, and what I also used from IBM, but uh, I, around 2000 was Visual H for Java, and I really enjoyed, you know, the uh, look and feel of the IDE. And I don't know whether you were aware of IBM, but back then IBM was really great with Java. They had developer works, alpha works, you know, great, great portal websites with nice ideas. So they published once a week articles about cool Java stuff and the open source stuff. I was completely fascinated by that. And yeah. they had a Palm Pilot with Java on it. And this was somehow from IBM. So I also remember that. So I was also into IBM. And um, yeah, but I was... Uh, I, I, early, I yeah. 100% remember developer works. And yeah. um, when I was saying like, in the, I guess in the last years in my university time and my like early years in, um, in my the postdoc work, I quickly realized that there's a like huge limitation about documentation if I'm trying to find this in in Russian. So mm-hmm. I just 100% give up on any translated books, any translated yeah. documentations, and I rarely um, use some of the you know the, the, the Russian material. So I was 100% switched to, to to English to English developer works and the Russian translation of some of the articles on developer works. They were like a couple years behind. Yeah. This is where like developer works is actually one of the first website the the portals where I start learning there's some other uh, some other languages so I learned about groovy mm-hmm. I think it was article by uh, I think it was even Scott Davis uh, who mm-hmm. wrote some of the articles there mm-hmm. and after that I met the guy it's always you know when you ask about programming language I think it's always the, you, the your programming language would be strongly influenced by uh, the person who lives nearby. So if mm-hmm. you know the person who knows the, uh, ASM very well, uh, assembly language, mm-hmm. you will start learning assembly because you will have a time to get and and the opportunity to speak to the person yeah. and uh, learn some of it from him. Same thing happened in university. Uh, like some of the uh, some of the kids in in my university, they were like smarter. They they had the computers way before, so they had the opportunity to program. Like, ah, question well, like now a, about smarter kids. Start. Now about your yeah. experience. Um, <laughs> what I did the experience. The you know very smart kids at the beginning of the study or school with computers. I look up to them and I say, crazy what they already know. And afterwards, they lost interest. 80% of the incredible smart kids from university, you know, the first semester or from school, then afterwards, they do nothing interesting. So they completely lost interest. What's your experience with that? This was my observation. If someone was really very good at the beginning, 
they somehow I don't know why they lost. You know, they I don't know so mo- motivation or whatever. I would say I was lucky enough that I known people mm-hmm. in the school. They were smart, but they not they were not like arrogant about this. So they mm-hmm. were like helpful, mm-hmm. and uh, we have the, our own kind of like a, usually like every you know the, when you go to study with someone, there's like smaller groups that form, mm-hmm. um, and. All the kids where I was uh, in uh, in university, they actually continue to do stuff uh, in 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 the programming. Like mm-hmm. we were dreaming about, kind of okay, so we will maybe together we're writing a computer yeah. game, but we didn't know how to start and things like that. So it's okay. never you right. never came about. So but I was wrong, actually. No, 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 no. You you're not wrong because um, I've seen similar things in uh, when I was. So when I was went to uh, to to this uh, to the Moscow uh, University of Royal Engineering, I was actually start um, teaching there mm-hmm. because it was a part of my kind of like cool. uh, the, the postdoc experience. And I started seeing some of these smart kids, and I still like follow some of them, or they follow me, and mm-hmm. like I, I I know some of the some of the people. Many of them they didn't they, they haven't they decide not to become uh, you know the software engineer. Yeah, some few people. Who actually like quite successful. They actually also move out of uh, Russia and they start working on some. Mm-hmm. Um, my former start students, they start working on the guy who's actually, I guess, it's still working at Google or something like that. Cool. So it was it was really cool. So, but I I definitely seen things that you okay. are saying. Well, I've seen you. this, mm-hmm. but I think it's also depend on like this like like uh, the, the smaller groups. Some of the yeah. kids in the same groups. They become just like the managers. They went to to do sales or things like that. They have uh, the technical education in computer science, but they decide not to pursue this this uh, for some reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the time when they were just like finishing university, they didn't uh, have a opportunity to find a job, mm-hmm. or they find a job that uh, turns out life sucking. So they they, they just decide to like switch gears and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Work on something else that will, you know, bring money because there's like everyone has a different story. But I definitely seen the things okay, that cool. you that, that you see that, okay. that you uh, just described. What happened after WebSphere? Uh, so what happened after WebSphere? Yes, and um, at that time I started also uh, when I mentioned like the program language will be highly inspired by the people who mm-hmm. have you have around. I start learning things and simplify development, but also make you kind of like a productive um i've seen ruby on rails uh-huh. and i really like this idea uh but i never i never program in ruby at all uh but remember that uh, that blog post by Scott Davis, the developer exactly this is how i end up in the grails and uh, i you know Right now, you're meeting people in the internet, and it's kind of like it's okay. You know, you're meeting a lot of people on internet, and uh, but uh, the time back, you still kind of meet people on internet, and you're meeting them in real life, and you're still kind of like hesitant. Maybe you know it's still weird. Mm-hmm. You met the person on the internet, so I met the guy. Um, he, he he's my friend. He's still my friend, and uh, he also like moved in states, uh, like eventually. But that time he was working in the, in Yandex. Yandex is a Russian mm-hmm. Russian Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were. I met him at one of the meetups in in, in Moscow, and like we, we became friends. And he 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 was like huge uh, proponent of, or he just quit Yandex. He started startup, um, and he was uh, he 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 showed me uh, 
not the groovy, but he, he showed me Grails, like mm-hmm. server-side component, and how I can actually quickly write the web apps. And uh, Grails comes with, uh, like, Hibernate and mm-hmm. Spring. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't remember if it's, like, Tomcat was there, like, out of the box, or there was kind of, like, something, like, um, lighter than... I don't know what it was, like Jet, Jet or Tomcat. Or I, I can't remember. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. so this is where... This is where I came into like Tomcats and like more lighter way, uh, lighter world with Spring and things like that. So this is where some of the interesting things uh, came into life. I, uh, I, I I had to move uh, to uh, to United States and start uh, working here as uh, as a consultant. Uh, you you and, immediately uh, got the work here in the U.S. or uh, so th- th- I I started the kind of like um, when I was what. Uh, 2006, when I was in, still in my university times, I went for a work and travel, um, and I didn't work on uh, on my you know speciality. I work mm-hmm. in restaurant. I work mm-hmm. in restaurant. Just I just want to see the world. I just want to see like what is going on here. And I decided not to stay. Some some people, some kids, they just, oh, I will stay and figure out the ways how I can maybe you know transform transfer my you know university thing. And I just said no. I got I got back. I I, I graduated. Get my masters. Went to um, uh, went to work on my PhD, didn't finish, uh, <laughs> but it's a different story. Um, and uh, after that, I started looking for opportunities. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the uh, years when I was living in Moscow, I actually met Yakov, Yakov Fain. Um, ah, okay. Many, many, people, many people know him. Mm-hmm. So he came, he's uh, with him, uh, the Yakov and Victor. Victor was another partner in, the, in this uh, consultant company. So they came with the training in Moscow. So I, I attended this training and uh, um, I was, uh, we just got in touch mm-hmm. and I was uh, looking for opportunities to, to work abroad. And, you know, since we were in touch, I started working with them uh, for some, some projects. So, and uh, some of the projects were remote, some of the projects were um, like on site. So this is um, uh, some of the big uh, companies. Like I started working on Goldman Sachs, Citigroups. Uh, City Group and uh, on those projects okay. uh, with uh, Flex and Java. So this cool. is where... Yeah, exactly. He was about Flex. Yeah. But he's yeah. somehow disappeared, Yakov. What he's doing? Uh, he's on the uh, front end now. He's uh, doing a lot of like JavaScript and... Uh, ah, okay. Uh, he, he, he's doing a lot of uh, things around uh, the, the front end development as well. Okay, cool. Uh, but also still in a uh, little bit of, of Java, but more mm-hmm. mostly on the... You know, and, and you worked for Yakov. You worked for Yakov in 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 Russia or in US? Yeah. So when I when I just started, we, I did some some of the remote, some of offshore jobs, and after that, I moved to states. And we worked we worked together like like for five years or so. Okay. Cool. So it was yeah, it was uh, pretty exciting times, and um, I learned a lot of things about the you know enterprise architecture and the project. So so I was not like a very um, you know I was specialist. But I was like a problem solver. Like if we need to have a front end, I have a skills in Flex. Uh, that time Flex was hot. Um, but we switched to JavaScript afterwards. And uh, we actually wrote the book together on the like this enterprise architecture for JavaScript. Um, okay. And uh, like if we need to integrate with some of the you know, backend system, like messaging systems mm-hmm. and some of the, um, I don't know, like ETL system, mm-hmm. like batch processing systems. So I also could do that because in, in many aspects, it's uh, like uh, Unix skills and like general, like also Java programming skills. Java becomes it's just like a big thing. So if you know Java, you can do pretty much everything and everywhere. Yeah. But over the time, the experience that I had in the past, like the project that we did for Russia Railways, the project that I learned from, from IBM folks and like the, the consultancy at times, you know, uh, 
created the, the man I am right now. <laughs> okay. So what happened so, after Yakov? The experience with Yakov's uh, company. Yeah. So uh, we were working on on the freelance, and after that, I decided to try something into like uh, the product companies, the pro- companies that actually doing some of the um, some of the things with, with uh, you know have the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I found this a very interesting opportunity in the the company uh, called Hazelcast. You probably heard hey, cool. About. Okay. Yeah. So and it was very interesting experience because it's also okay. It's open source. They you know they give you away code for free. Like how they make money. Um, so you know Tulip, right? You know Tulip. Yes, Tulip. Yeah. Tulip. What? Uh, we worked together for like almost three years. A really nice guy, right? Yeah. So we are. So I I, I actually met uh, Fuad at uh, at the Java one. So they were at the Java one. They were um, having uh, the booth there. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was there. When was it Java one? Was it the Sun Java, Java one? Or one? After? It was after. It was okay. like a couple of years after Oracle acquired okay. Sun. It was already like a fading glory of the Java one. But like it was just like maybe three or you ever five experienced years. the Sun's Java one? No, never. I oh. always wanted. I always wanted. I always listening this. Um, a Java Posse podcast and yeah. uh, the, the things that they explain about the event. And I was like, okay, so my first thing when I will move to States, I will go to Java yeah. one. Yeah. It didn't happen because like the year I moved there, the Oracle acquired a son. It didn't happen. Uh, Java one. The next year I couldn't come. And the year after I came there already as a speaker. So I was applying my talk. My talk was about Nashorn and, uh, um, Nashorn was like a part of upcoming yeah. JDK 8 yeah. and also like JavaScript was a very interesting part of the Java world so my talk with Nashorn was was uh, was accepted so this is the, that Java Lucky one you. I applied yeah. from, from 2001 to 2007 7 years and never got you know something accepted <laughs> so and uh, and then I submitted a stupid talk about heating control and it got accepted. All reasonable wow. talk were rejected, you know, and just uh, absolute absolute pet pet projects which doesn't matter at all was accepted. So and and you that's, lucky, that's, you know? that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, I was I was able to go uh, because uh, we were um, Jakob was running New Jersey Java user group and I was helping him to run this and. Um, we were organizing this in uh, because we're living like we used to live, you know, just like maybe thirty miles apart. So we were running this in the South Jersey in the mm-hmm. Princeton area. Uh, it was like a Java and Flex user group we were doing kind of. Like uh, and was it a big one? So how many attendees? Such a US Java group? Yeah, it was pretty big. I guess we have a couple hundred uh, wow. like registered people. Um, usual attendance was around. Uh, Maybe like 30, 40, 35 people okay. easy. Like okay. and it was kind of like a good group, very solid attendance. And you know, it's um if you're going from from city like New York to down to Jersey, it's just it becomes kind of like a more more spread it. So it getting like this attendance, it's actually it's pretty good for okay. like very uh very like specific topics like a uh, Java okay. and Flex and like that. So it was it was cool. So in being the part of the Java user group, we can get a free pass. Yeah. Okay. To, um, to Java one. But like you need to pay for for your travel, you need to pay for hotel. And uh, so when I get this, the, the speaker acceptance, I already, uh, you know, got there. And uh, I meet uh, Fuad at the, uh, at the Java, uh, Java one mm-hmm. uh, expo. And I, I saw like they, okay, we're hiring. 
And it was kind of interesting. Okay, so let's talk to this guy. Like, and their technology looks cool. Like, I never work at distributed systems, yeah. but the, the things that they were doing there looks fascinating and mm-hmm. looks exciting. Like, okay, so how you can like you like distribute the data across the multiple computers that fast? So, um, and apparently they were in a search of kind of solution architect. In my experience, that time when I was a consultant, like I. I thought I know what solution architecture is. So, oh, mm-hmm. we go in there, we're just like making the customer happy and we go and we leave. Yeah. And it's absolutely different with the product company. When the product company, you're trying to establish relationship with the customers, you want them to be happy all the time and they're not happy, you know, they're happy never. Um, <laughs> so that's why, uh, that's why it's a slightly different approach. And oh, during this time, I was able to... Uh, do kind of like an evangelizing job uh, when I was talking about technology, how the Hazelcast works internally, how what kind of use cases, mm-hmm. and I was able to you know talk to different um, different groups of people, including some of the JavaScript people, including the cool Java story people. Is, the cool stories with Hazelcast is um, what I did. It was probably uh, around that time. I used Hazelcast on my servers, and I used Nashorn to implement logic which moved between nodes in Hazelcast. So uh, the uh, the NAS one was uh, the, the implementation was in NAS one in JavaScript, yeah. and this was uh, loaded as a Java interface. So I could yes. actually execute it, the business logic on all nodes, and I d- didn't have to to deal with class loaders. So funny that you are yes. saying you know Hazelcast and NAS one, and I also yeah. delivered some talks about NAS one at Java one. So it's actually funny that we have we ever met at Java one? Yeah. Few times. Um, I guess we went to the parties. This is why, like, okay. we, our memories might be blurred. So <laughs> the party, parties, parties were, you know, good. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is where actually Java One happens. Like the you're meeting people. The thirsty like, bear. They right? are. They are exactly yes. They are in relaxed setting. You know, you can talk to them. Um, I was super excited. I met Ken Horseman there. Like he, uh, yeah. he, he's. His book was Bible of Java. Like when I started learning afterwards, like uh, Kai, uh, Kai Harson. Um and then he was there. Like I was yeah. like, oh, 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 I know this guy. It's like I was like such a like such a fan. Okay, let me talk to him. And I explained to him that uh, this book is like a huge, um, huge hit in Russian. The people kind of learning. So there was like two, I would say, bestsellers, and uh, uh, because they were translated in Russian, mm-hmm. it was uh, Herbert Schild. And uh, he actually wrote a lot of books about C++ and in Java. And Kai Horseman also, uh, he's uh, like a Java Bible was like the, the books that uh, um, okay, cool. I met the people from uh, Java Pussy podcast. The, the uh, again, like, oh, such a fan, such a fan. And it was super cool. And uh, like my first Java one, I met like all the stars from. Okay. Uh, uh, from when from was it your first Java one? Which year? 2000. 13, I think, 2000, right? Yeah, 2013, exactly. Yeah, I think I think it is. Uh, because 2000, uh, I moved to 2000, or, or 2012. 2012, I would say. Okay. And since that time, I was there like every year. Okay. Uh, and, and you still worked for Hazelcast? How long? So now our our um, our past with Hazelcast, Hazelcast are you know, parted. So now I work in another commercial open source company. It's called Confluent. And uh, with Confluent, uh, it's now also continuation of my kind of like distributed uh, system world. And now it's uh, it's all about Kafka and uh, streaming platform and stream processing. So okay, so um, how long you stay with Hazelcast? Like uh, around three years, like two and a half, I guess. And how long um, you are working for Confluent right now? About time. Yeah, so it's gonna be next next month. It's gonna be three years. 
three um, years. Okay, cool. And when yeah. when when your love with uh, distributed programming started? Was it at Hazelcast? Yeah, I think so. Like um, when I was at uh, Ferrara Systems, like this uh, this is the name of the company um, where uh, I work with Jakob. Uh, we were focusing or on this like middle tier, like a front end, a mm-hmm. little bit of back back end, like the like serving side of things. But uh, I never look on the you know the real back, like back mm-hmm. on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and with uh, Hazelcast, um, I started my journey in the distributed systems world. I started learning things around you know the, how the data system work, what's mm-hmm. the like uh, cap theorem and things like that, yeah. and uh, all these like uh, cool words. Um, and like dealing with this type of things, not in theory, but also in practice when we like meeting the customers and see how the things are working, like how um, a big system and big distributed system work, how to build like a highly you know scalable systems. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm still I'm still, you know, continue this journey. I still uh, love distributed systems world, still, still, still do Java. <laughs> so, so you're still <laughs> hacking, so still hacking code? At Confluent? Yes, yes. So you are yes, actually uh, a knowledgeable uh, Kafka developer, right? Yes, yes. Uh, so, one of the things that, uh, yeah, I was just, I, I'm doing like shameless plug. I'm doing shameless plug right now. So we, we, we build this website with like code where you can learn Kafka and it's called Kafka Tutorials. And uh, you can you can go there and like, it's all Java. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn how you can program with Kafka Streams. Or you can look how to Kafka Tutorials what? Dot .com or dot .io? Uh, no, it's uh, Kafka-Tutorials.confluent.io. So cool. it's mm-hmm. on, uh, I will, I'll send the link yeah. uh, to, um, you, you can even use the short link. You can go to mm-hmm. cnfl.io slash tutorials. Um, okay. And, and this is uh, your, this is your task right now to build a site, right? Yeah, we build, uh, my team is, uh, is doing a lot of other things, but, uh, um, this is the time where I like to put my, you know, this is the place where I like to put my time. Um, it's it's pretty exciting because the way how we, you know, teaching these things are like very hands-on. Mm-hmm. And it's like a complete, if you're going through one tutorial, you will get the complete um, uh, complete knowledge of how you can implement use case from public static fluid main to moving this to production. Yeah. Can um, we talk a little bit about Kafka, if you like? Of course, yes. Yeah, because I can, a, I can talk about Kafka like all the time. So, there, what usually happens in my show, you know, is the first uh, episode is just you know how you get there, and the next one I would like to invite you and talk the whole time about Kafka and whatever you like, but just you know architectural conversation, if if you are allowed to, or there are no NDAs or whatever. But um, as you probably know me, I'm a uh, you know Jakarta micro profile like uh, enterprise kind of consultant and still developer and yeah clients come to me and kafka is like you know is is, is hot and everyone would like to to have uh, kafka but uh they usually or usually sometimes let's say uh they don't know what to do with kafka you know they they they, yes. they would like to have kafka but they yeah. have no idea what to do with it and you know uh, as you as you already mentioned uh briefly gms and um for me, it is an inter- interesting distinction between, for instance, Kafka and JMS. And for me, actually, so I'm curious about your opinion, they are actually opposite architectures. They are very s- similar from, from, from birth of view, but from the idea, they are opposite. Let me explain. Yes. For instance, you, you're you know, right. J- JMS, you know, yeah. the cues and topics, it is, I think, a best practice to have them transient, not persistent. And, and Kafka... I know persistency is actually in Kafka a feature, I would say. So um, so I would say, you know, JMS is more like communication channel between us. 
And Kafka is more capturing, you know, the state of the world and do something with it. So Kafka is more like a database, almost. And JMS is more like SMS system. And, and therefore, no, if someone, is, so if someone tries to misuse Kafka for JMS, I don't think it is a, a, a good story. The same is true if you, someone would try to store you know, JMS messages in JMS or messages in JMS. It's also not a good experience. So what's your take on it? So as a preview for the next episode, you can talk you know, one hour yes. about that. But um, am I, I can talk about this more. <laughs> okay, no problem. So, <laughs> so what do you think about that, what I said right now? Um, and I see a lot of... Uh, um, so the way how the people... Uh, join this uh, the the Kafka Kafka world and how the people end up here. Um, it's actually a few ways. Uh, first way is uh, is exactly how you described. Okay, so people looking for something better than JMS in terms of creating uh, inter-service communication or inter-process communication. Yeah. So you um, start like JMS for some reason and persisted topics uh, yeah. that you have in some of the um, message queues. Or message, how called? Um, we call it not message queues, but the correct name is uh, message-oriented middleware. Um, <laughs> Moms. So yes, and uh, and this is how they end up in, in Kafka, and they heard that the Kafka is like designed to you know mm-hmm. to handle large uh, amount of mm-hmm. data or like a, a large number, like big number of uh, messages, and they start using it as a kind of better replacement for. Um, or GMS. Yeah. For second group of people, they're actually coming from the world of uh, the big data, and mm-hmm. they're coming from the world of batch processing, okay. uh, coming from the world of Hadoop and things like that. And the way how they were dealing with the uh, with the with the Hadoop uh, system, they were starting to do like overnight batch processes. And the way how actually there was in um, in the very good book uh, called Big Data. Uh, it's by Manning uh, uh, Publishing. Um, there was the described of so-called um, the lambda architecture, where you're kind of like augmenting your your batch layer uh, with uh, so-called uh, speed layer that allows you to perform uh, some of the computations on the data um, and you get some of the result. That might be not 100% correct, simply because some mm-hmm. of the data might arrive later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets you good approximation. So the, so the lambda architecture putting- was like you know you have. Uh- Basically, two systems. You have to do a lot twice, but there you get a copy of the data to uh, and you transform the data that it can be processed faster. You have transactional data like a report data, let's say, and the exactly. report uh, report bucket is uh, transformed that way. Like for say, we can, you know like column oriented, uh, let's say database, mm-hmm. uh, and the other one would be traditional database. So you have two copies of the data, but you have can do computations faster, which actually disappears right now, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, and they kind of look into ways how they can deliver this data faster to uh, to perform like a, the the better uh, batch processing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is the second category of people, and it's just really. And there's some people that are already aware about uh, some of the NoSQL databases and how they, uh, you know, how they run. Uh, mm-hmm. In distributed fashion and all this like replication and things like that, so Kafka combines all these kind of things. Yeah. It's, it can be it can be appear as a very interesting storage system that maybe has some very unique uh, mechanism for querying this data. Uh, it might appear how the better replacement for JMS, uh, even though uh, maybe it's not one hundred percent like a pairs or like matches to 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 JMS. 
but it can solve some of the use cases that GMS can solve. Yeah, of course. Last statement about GMS and Kafka is, uh, the, the, for me, a major distinction is if I'm using GMS, I'm actually know to whom I'm writing the messages. And I'm using Kafka, I'm only interested in the business. You know, so I'm, I'm writing events down like business events, like I'm speaking with you right now. So this yeah. is a fact. So I'm writing it down. It should be persisted forever. And if someone else picks it up or not, I actually don't care. And this is what exactly. I'm interested in Kafka, because then you, uh, you have like, you know, the truth is in Kafka and it can be picked up by any microservice uh, you like. And the microservice is only interested in the business meaning of the event and not know to communicate between events uh, between microservices this is what i told you or multiple events yeah or or multiple, multiple events yeah. and this uh, this micro this i think even microservice is a wrong term it would be more like a data processor because it could be even without rest you know it just listens yeah. to one topic or topic in kafka's topic still topic to one uh, source of truth and transforms the data and enriches the data and creates another one so it, it just you know consumes enriches and copies and another microservice just reads and does something else with it so it changes everything so um this is yes. the beauty of kafka and this is why you know i really don't like the entire jms kafka on messaging uh, I, I think this is a little bit confusing but uh um, this is the, the I think the the, last, the next uh, group of people where where I see where you can use Kafka for complete different architectures, and then you get the uh, the the largest um, added value from Kafka because you know the whole then you get all the you know two phase commits and all this stuff is solved actually because you only have single transactions you write down and it is consumed and this is this solves the problem because if you have GMS. Yeah. You don't have the single source of truth. You always need two transactions. You know, you have to write to GMS and to database, for instance. And if you have uh, the database and GMS in one, then it's simpler. Here's the here's the kind of it's not the problem, but it's uh, I guess the challenge that uh, some of the users of these new technologies mm -hmm. need to go through. It slightly changes the way how you look at your data. Um, yeah, it teaches you to think about the data. Um, as a you know immutable set of yeah. Uh, events, yeah. And uh, sometimes people will still you know thinking in the GMS world as a kind of messages, and they were not sure. They simple example, people saying, okay, why we need to save this in two places? I will mm -hmm. just like expand on mm -hmm. your example. Mm -hmm. We need to write this in two 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 places because. Um, First of all, we don't trust our the messaging system because, like, it can fall um, yeah. or fail, and we'll not be able to deliver this message. That's why we can retrieve this from the, the mm -hmm. database and the push mm -hmm. it back. That's why we need to write this in two places, and this is why we need to have a two, you know yeah. uh, a distributed transaction and, and across even, GMS and not database. even don't trust because what usually happens, you know, a microservice has the data ownership; it has own database, right? Yeah. And then it you only using GMS to talk to other microservices. So actually, you will have to store the data for your purpose and then share with other microservices via yeah. GMS. So even if GMS would yes. work perfectly, you always need to know the two-phase commit. Yes. And like for for the, some of the logic that you have in your application, you might need to... Um, you, 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 might, you still might have, a, even with Kafka, you still might have some, some of the database on your site. But... You're not thinking about this database as something that, like, if you lost, you lost this forever. Exactly. Uh, once you start thinking about the Kafka as your kind of source of truth, where your 
raw events written. You can always replay because sometimes we make mistakes in terms of processing. Maybe there's some of the algorithm. When we're doing this with GMS, there's no way how we can replay things mm -hmm. and uh, you know reapply this transformation. We need to ask someone, "Hey, yeah. can you send me back this data so I can yeah. I can I can do something with it?" It's it's one of the patterns when the people like taking this. There's like different interesting patterns how you can. Your service don't necessarily need to even send anything. Yeah. There's a pattern called uh, I think it's called Outbox if I yeah. don't uh, if I'm not mistaken mm -hmm. where the there's a connector that captures changes that happen in your database will deliver this to Kafka automatically. So your application don't yeah. need to and know about Kafka DB at Zoom, all. Dbzoom for instance implements this very 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 well. Yeah. Yeah, so Dbzoom it's a it's an open source uh, uh it's open source project that allows you create a connectors for Kafka. Mm -hmm. There's a, like a small you can call it small application server that runs uh, nearby mm -hmm. to Kafka called Kafka Connect, mm -hmm. and your Debezium connectors is your small, mm -hmm. uh, small application, small servlets that runs in this one. Um, and uh, Debezium has integration, native integration with some databases like yeah. Oracle, MySQL, Postgres, meaning mm -hmm. that they can read and understand some of the internals, like reading from transaction log of, 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 of Postgres, mm -hmm. and push these changes to Kafka. Your application writes to Postgres and doesn't know anything about Kafka. Exactly. And your data will be distributed through Kafka. And it's, this is this is um this is one of the use cases how we solve a say you have a, like a processing system on mainframe, mm -hmm. and this is like very old system. Like uh, uh, simply it works and it does yep. deliver uh, the value. Uh, no one is touching it, and just like you know, no one, no one. It was not on the no one's uh, tech uh, tech depth mm -hmm. uh, depth uh, radar. And now you need to bring this data to to other places. And uh, using this kind of approach with change yeah. data capture, you can extract this data from mainframe without affecting your um, your existing system that works and deliver this data to multiple other systems. Exactly. Cool. So if you like, I will reinvite you in a few weeks just to talk about yes. Kafka, just about you know, fun architecture and distribution, because I think Kafka is widely misunderstood. People say, you know, GMS, why you're using GMS is antiquated. It's, like, it's different. GMS is, if this is complete different purpose. You know, it's like someone will tell you why you're using SMS if you have email. I mean, okay, this yeah. is too, you know, this is a complete different, different communication channel. And the problem is they look too fam fam familiar. And, and the problem, I think at Kafka at the beginning, they tried to use the same naming as GMS. And this is also uh -huh. a little bit of a problem, you know, because uh, we have the same terminology, but 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 the the features are different. Perfect. Thank Perfect. you. It, it was fun for me, and uh, fun for me as well. I appreciate that you uh, invited me. Yeah, sure. And uh, you give me your links, you know, with Kafka tutorials and whatever you have, and uh, I will invite you back in four, four to six weeks if you have time, the same time, and just yes. let's let's talk about Kafka, whatever you like. And I have um, my own ideas, and I will misuse you to validate my ideas about architecture because you are you know yes. the, the sounds sounds like a fun uh, fun thing is is, is yeah. happening so you I are think, the Kafka uh, guru and I have experience from from different angles I can you know ask you whether my ideas are right and we can have a nice talk about Kafka exactly yes it was nice to be here um see you in a bit thank you bye